0: So let's look at Matthew chapter 19 and verse 26. I want to bring a message to you simply called one word, anointed. Anointed. In Matthew chapter 19 and in verse 26, it very well could turn into a series. It says, But Jesus beheld them and said unto them, With men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Now, we looked at this in the beginning of December. With men, men will say it can't be done. But with God, it can be done. Now, I don't have the Weiss translation up there, but I can read this to you. It says, in the presence of men, as men look at this, it is impossible. In other words, it just can't be done. But in the presence of God... As he looks at this, all things are possible, meaning that it can be done. So the question I have for you tonight is, who are you with? Who are you with? Whose presence have you been in? You see, if we spend time in the presence of men... Who have no faith, or even though they're believers, they may be unbelieving believers, filled with fear and doubt. If we spend time in the presence of men, listening to them, we can be persuaded and brought down to a level where we begin to think and say, it can't be done. If we spend time in the presence of the problem, looking at, thinking about, rehearsing the problem. How many of you know problems have a presence? And so if that is done in our lives, then we get to a point where we say it can't be done. But I know this crowd here tonight has the spirit of faith and through the spirit of faith, our declaration is it can be done and it will be done unto us according to what God has spoken and according to our faith. So notice this again In the presence of God, as He looks at this, all things are possible. So what we want to do is we want to get our sights set a little higher so that we have the ability to see it or whatever we're going through as He sees it. Now, one way that we do that is by the eyes of our spirit... Or by the eyes of our understanding, being enlightened. Paul prayed for the church at Ephesus. I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, would give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. In verse 18, by having the eyes of your understanding enlightened. The eyes of your spirit being flooded with light. So I pray... For you. And I pray for me, for eyes to see, for ears to hear, for us to be elevated above the weak and beggarly elements of this world. And for us to see and to seize what God has for us. Say this with me, O oh God. Thank you for giving me eyes to see. Now we're going to connect this. It can't be done or it can be done. We're going to connect this with the anointing. So I want you to look at Acts chapter 10 and uh, maybe going through a couple of scriptures that you're very familiar with. But Acts 10 and verse 38, this is speaking of Jesus. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil for what? One of the main reasons why he could go about doing good was he was anointed by the Holy Ghost in power but the fact remains that not only was he with God but God was with him. Amen? The only way that the blind could see and the lame could walk and the dead could be raised, and the multitudes could be fed, is because He was anointed. The anointing turns man's impossibilities into possibilities. It turns man's, it can't be done, into God's, it shall be done. Amen? Amen? Now look over at Luke chapter 3, and let's kind of track where... This begins and began with the Master. John uh, baptizes Jesus, we see, in Luke chapter 3 and 21 through 23. It says, When all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus was also baptized. And while he prayed, what happened? The heavens were opened. Aren't you glad that we're living today under an open heaven? The heavens were opened. Verse 22. It says, And the Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove. Where? Upon him. him. Mm -hmm. And a voice came from heaven which said, You are my beloved Son, in whom I'm what? I'm well pleased. In other words, I am so very well pleased in you, my son. I'm so very well pleased that the Holy Spirit has come upon you like a dove. Mm -hmm. And it terrified the devil. Mm -hmm. Just like it terrifies him anytime and every time a believer gets revelation knowledge of the fact that the Spirit of God is upon them. It just scares him to no end. He got so terrified by what just happened to Jesus. And I want us to look at Luke chapter 4 and verse 1. It says, Then Jesus, being filled with what? He was filled with the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost. He returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Being tempted for forty days by the devil, and in those days he ate nothing, and afterward, when they had ended, he was hungry. And the devil came unto him and tried to get him to doubt. If you're the Son of God, command that this stone become bread. But Jesus answered the temptation by declaring, It is written. And it's the same thing that we do today. When we are tempted with doubt and fear and belief, we are to know what is written and declare what is written and take the sword of the Spirit and whip that rascal up. Amen. Amen. He said it is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. And then the devil took him up on a high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. He was tempting him with the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And he said, All this authority I will give you, and their glory, for this has been delivered to me, and I give it to whomever I wish. Remember that he is the illegitimate God of this world. It was delivered to him through Adam's high treason. Verse 7. Therefore, if you will worship before me, all would be yours. Think about it. And Jesus answered and said to him, Get thee behind me, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. And then he brought him up to Jerusalem, set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you're the Son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written. So the enemy's trying to get tricky here now he's going to throw a little half-truth at him. Now, the enemy will use the word against you, but it's never the whole word, and it's never the word in context. And so he's tempting Jesus, basically, to take his life. He said, if you're the Son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, Jesus, he'll give his angels charge over you to keep you. And in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered and said to him, It has been said, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. In other words, he took that sword and put him on the run. Now notice this in verse 13. Now when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. That opportune time most likely was in the Garden of Gethsemane when he was tempting the Master to turn away from the cross. The pressure was on him so great that he began to sweat blood. The place of Gethsemane is called the place of the press, it's where they press olives. And he was there and the pressure was so great. But thank God on bended knee, he said, not my will, but thy will be done. Don't you know, that made the devil really mad. Now look at verse 18 of Luke chapter 4. He returned in the power of the Spirit after this temptation. And it says in verse 18, read it with me. The Spirit... Of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind. Glory to God. And Jesus said that the ability that he had to do this was because he was anointed And that anointing came as a result of the spirit of the living God resting upon him. And the same spirit rests upon you and rests upon me. I wonder what happens to poor people when the good news is preached to them. I wonder what happens to blind people when the good news is preached to them. I wonder what happens to captives when the anointing comes into their lives. I'm telling you what happens. It removes burdens and destroys yokes. If they will mix their faith with the anointing. Amen. Amen. So I want us to, to work with this tonight just for a while. And uh, this is a huge subject. I don't know everything about the subject. Uh, we may look at it in weeks to come. But I want to take a look at the Old Testament for a moment. And I want us to look at a simple way, if you will, of understanding the anointing. How many of you grew up in a home where the anointing was discussed? Yeah. That person was anointed. Oh, I feel anointed today. Glory to God. Thank God for the anointing that was in the service. Amen. Yeah. So we praise God for the anointing. But I think as we take a closer look at the anointing, we can get maybe even a clearer look of what it is. So I want to take a look tonight over in First Samuel, the 10th chapter. And I want us to look at verse 1. How many of you know that Israel wanted a king so badly? They got a king. And the king's name was Saul. It wasn't really the will of God for Israel to have a king. But because they wanted a king so badly, God gave them a king. And so, of course, the king needed to be anointed. And the person that was to do that was the prophet. And that was Samuel. Notice with me in in verse 1. It says, Then Samuel took a little dot out of the anointing oil, the little bottle, and put it on his finger and touched his head. No. Then Samuel took a flask of oil... (laughs) And poured it on his head. That's not a little dabble, do you? That's not a little bit. Oil is a type of the anointing. Oil is a type of the Holy Spirit. And what Samuel did is he opened up a... It would be like if I had like a half gallon of olive oil. And I was fixing to anoint Brother Charles. And I walked over to Brother Charles and I just poured it all over him. The oil would be running down his beard, running down his shirt, and I might get a bill from Helen from the cleaning people. They poured it on his head and kissed him and said, Is it not because the Lord has anointed you commander over his inheritance? this flask of oil, this anointing oil, represents a saturation. If you look up the word anointed or anointing in the Old Covenant, it literally means to smear, to rub onto, and to rub into. And so Saul was anointed. And in verse 6, notice with me, it says, Then... The Spirit of the Lord will come upon you and you will prophesy and you will be turned into another man. Woo-hoo. I like that. Yeah. Ooh, glory to God. In other words, when the anointing comes upon you, you can expect to be changed. Amen. You can be expect to be transformed into someone, into something that you've never been before. I'm telling you, the anointing will turn you in to another man. It'll turn you in to another person. It'll cause you to rise up like Peter did on the day of Pentecost and preach a message where 3,000 people got saved. Hallelujah. Let me read that again. Then the Spirit of the Lord will come upon you and you will prophesy with them You'll be turned into another man. Verse 7. And let it be when these signs come to you that you do as the occasion demands for God is with you. When God turns you into another man and the anointing of God is upon you, you will do what the occasion demands you to do. You will be led by the anointing. You will be led by the Spirit to flow in the glory of God. And I like it. How about you? This is what the anointing does. The anointing will turn you into a man that couldn't, into a man that can. What's the difference? The difference is the anointing. Now, I may be dating myself, but... How many of you remember the cartoon Popeye? That's about 100% of you right there. So Popeye had a girlfriend and her name was Olive Oil. Remember Olive Oil? She was skinny. And Popeye wasn't that big of a man. But there was another guy always hanging around olive oil and his name was Brutus. And if you saw character of Brutus, you would see that he was a big man, a strong man, looked like a man that had been unloading trucks all day. I mean, just a burly guy. And so he'd begin to kind of pick on Popeye a little bit and tweak him a little bit. But then Popeye had something in his pocket. And Popeye would pull that can of spinach out of his pocket, squeeze it, and take it in. And when that spinach got in him, it turned him in to another man. And when he was turned into another man, Brutus was history. Brutus was done until the next episode. He became another man. Why? Because something got in him. <laughs> Woo! Glory to God. Well, I'm here to tell you when you got born again and filled with the Holy Ghost, something and someone got into you and came upon you. The anointing is within us. In First John chapter two, twenty, verse, verse chapter two, verse twenty. It says, but you have an anointing from the Holy One. Now, here's what we need to believe and receive and declare that everyone in this room has an anointing. You know, thank God for anointed prophets and anointed apostles and people that hold, you know, crusades for hundreds of thousands of people. Thank God for all the miracles that we've seen. But I'm telling you, God's no respecter of persons. And the same Spirit that anoints them, anoints all of us. Drop down to verse 27. But the anointing which turns you into another man. But that anointing which enables you to come up higher. That anointing which enables you to see As he sees that anointing that you've received from him. Where is it? This anointing abides in you. Christ in us, the hope of glory. The anointed one and his anointing in us. And when this anointing comes upon you, and you cultivate this anointing it'll make you a whole lot smarter than you ever were in the natural realm the spirit of wisdom will come upon you you'll be able to be a better mom a better dad than you were before the anointing came into your life you'll be able to make wiser decisions financially because the anointing changes you and changes things and turns us into another man. Oh, hallelujah. So again, verse 27, say it with me, but the anointing, which I have received from him, where does it live? Then put your hand over here and say, say it with me with this, the anointing abides within me I have an anointing from the Holy One and I shall not depend on the natural part of me but I shall depend and rely on the anointing hallelujah rely on the anointing Become aware that you are anointed. That's right. Declare that you are anointed. That's part of receiving the anointing. Is by believing you are anointed and receiving that glorious fact and then declaring, Thank God I'm anointed. I'm anointed. I say that on a regular basis. I say that when I don't feel anointed. Because my feelings don't have anything to do with the anointing. Now the anointing can create a feeling, but I'm not waiting for a feeling to say that I'm anointed. I declare I'm anointed. How about you? What are you saying about yourself? Say it me real strong. I am. I'm anointed. So we see this, that every believer has an anointing every believer has an unction because the holy spirit came into our lives at the new birth look at second corinthians chapter 1 and verse 21 see the bible says in the mouth of two or three witnesses let what every word. let every word be established notice this in first second corinthians 121 would you read it with me please now he who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us. So we are established, first of all, that we are in Christ. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. If any man be in Christ and established in his new creation realities... And the one who has anointed us is God. Now I want to go back to First Samuel chapter ten, verse eight. And I want to notice what happened when Saul began to move in the anointing. Some things happened. In first Samuel chapter ten and verse eight. And he said, Samuel speaking to Saul, he says, You shall go down. Before me to Gilgal. And surely I will come down to you to offer burnt offerings and make sacrifices of peace offerings. Seven days you will wait till I come to and show you what you should do. So it was, when he had turned his back to go from Samuel, that God gave him another heart. Hallelujah. It's a wonderful thing when God gives you another heart. God gave him another heart. And all those signs came to pass that day. In other words, when the anointing came upon Saul, he was turned into another man. God gave him another heart and then... There were signs that came to pass that day. Verse 10. And when they came there to the hill, there was a group of prophets to meet him. Then the Spirit of God came upon him, and he prophesied among them. Verse 11. And it happened... When all who knew him formerly saw that he indeed prophesied among the prophets, that the people said to one another, What is this that has come upon the son of Kish? Is Saul also among the prophets? The other prophets looked at each other and said, Something is going on here. They're probably looking at each other and asking themselves, what in the world has gotten into Saul? I tell you what got into Saul. He was turned into another man. And this is a simple way for you and I to understand the power of the anointing. We live in a world that desperately needs the anointing we live in a world of discouraged people yeah. and the spirit of the Lord will come upon you and give you a heart for people like that yes. Amen. to where you will begin to talk to them and out of your mouth will come things from another world You won't even have to use Elizabethan English and say, Thus saith the Lord, thee thou verily so, and all that stuff. No, the Spirit of the Lord will just begin to flow through you. He will anoint your words. And the Spirit of the Lord through you will bring encouragement to people that are very discouraged. If we think that the anointing is limited to these four walls, we are deceived. This anointing, this gospel, this good news Uh can be proclaimed wherever you are and wherever we are in the world and whenever the Spirit of God prompts us. We live in a diseased world. There are people dying daily. Filled with cancer. Filled with disease. Did you know that people like that can receive the anointing? And you don't necessarily need to get them saved before they get healed. There may be times where you're prompted and led by the Spirit of God. To say, what's going on here? Is it okay if I pray for you? Ask for permission. Yeah, yeah, and then you just put your hands on them yeah. in the name of Jesus. Like George said the other night, he said a lot of times when he's prayed for people they have been healed, he didn't feel a thing. Mm-hmm. It's not about feeling. Yeah. It's about the anointing. Yeah. Yeah. And the Holy Ghost mm-hmm. will turn you into another man. Yeah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. He'll turn you into another man. He's turned Keith Hershey into another man. He's taken him from the brown box to the gift wrap box. When the Spirit of the Lord comes upon you, you will be removed from the carnality and from the belly aching and from the complaining that is in this world, and you'll be gift wrapped in the glory of God, thankful for every moment you have to live. But I have needs. But I have problems. But I have issues. There's not a one of us in this room that doesn't have challenges. There's not a one of us that hasn't been through a test or maybe going through a test right now. But you don't need to wait till you get to the other side of your test for yourself, to be anointed of God, to be a blessing to other people. As a matter of fact, when you get your heart and your mind on others, oftentimes your situation will turn around like that. And this is a ditch that we all need to be aware of. Because we can get so used to the issues that are happening in our life that that's all we think about. That's all we talk about. I say unto you, let the Holy Ghost come upon you. Let Him change you. Let Him transform you. Let Him take you from the world of I can't to it can be done. Say with me, I can do all things through the anointed one and His anointing. Which strengthens me. me. What do you think that the anointing on you will do? What will the anointing do about your situation? What could the anointing do for an unsaved relative? I've seen it happen in my family from my dad, my mom, to my brother, to my sister. And now I'm working my older brother. I've seen it happen. I've seen it happen. I've seen the anointing go into them and change them and take a hard heart and a critical heart and turn it into a heart of gold. Don't give up on your loved ones. Don't become bitter about what has happened in the past. Let God change you. Let God transform you. The world is waiting for the anointed ones to step up and to step forward and become the mighty men of God that he's called us to be. You know, we pray a lot about an awakening in our nation as well we should. We pray about government as well we should. We pray about Roe versus Wade being overturned. We pray about things that matter to God in our nation. And there's so much that matters to God in this nation. And we thank God for an awakening. But you know, I've been around this for 40 years. And I just have to say, there needs to be a real awakening in believers. There needs to be a real awakening in the church. Many people are suffering from a disease A Christian illness called sleepitis, where there's sort of just logging time. There's three chairs that Christians sit in one is the chair of commitment. You can count on them, they're there, they're tithing, they're serving. And then you have the chair of carnality. And the chair of carnality are people that are thoroughly saved and on their way to heaven. But they're not really living for God. They may show up to church once a month. They may pluck a dollar in the bucket every three months. They're not living for anyone other than them. It's the carnal man. It's the committed. It's the carnal. And then there's the natural man. And the natural man is not saved. The natural man doesn't know what time it is. The natural man has never heard a message like this. My goal in life is to get as many natural men into the kingdom of God and as many carnal people into the chair of commitment. But I know that it's not by might nor by power, but it is by the spirit of the living God. Which chair are you in? Which chair do you sit in for most of your life? The question I have is this. What do you think, what do you believe the anointing on you will do? What will the anointing That turns you into another man. What will the anointing do about your situation? I'll tell you what it'll do. It'll remove burdens. It will destroy yokes. And I close with this statement. Part of taking something out of the realm of the impossible... And putting it into the realm of it can be done. Is you and I living a life under the anointing. You being anointed. That transforms you. Into someone and something else. Amen. Let's all stand to our feet.